0: It's 6 p.m. and you are listening to your independent community radio station, KVMR FM Nevada City, KCPC Camino. Today is Friday the 30th, the final day of September. I'm Claudio Mendoza and this is the KVMR Evening News. Flag football is a variant of the sport that minimizes contact between players and thanks to the CIF the governing body for high school sports in California, it's gaining traction as an officially recognized sport for high school girls. Tonight, the California Report shares details before profiling beloved sportscaster Jaime Harin. After regional news and weather, Felton Pruitt closes out our newscast in conversation with modern folkies Eleanor McDonald and Paul Cam. This is the California
1: Report. I'm Maddie Bolaños in San Francisco. California is not expanding unemployment benefits to an estimated 1 million undocumented workers in the state anytime soon. KQED's labor correspondent Farida Javala Romero explains. The bill Governor Gavin Newsom just vetoed would have created a one-year pilot program offering $300 a week up to 20 weeks to unemployed, undocumented Californians. Undocumented people contribute an estimated $3 billion in state and local taxes each year but are excluded from unemployment insurance benefits. Governor Newsom said the bill needs farther work to resolve fiscal concerns, including a dedicated funding source for the benefits. In a statement, the Safety Net for All Coalition said this policy is critical to California's resilience and should be a budget priority. For the California Report, I'm Farida Javala-Romero. Flag football is on track to becoming the next official high school sport in California. The California Report's Keith Mizuguchi has the details.
2: Flag football has been growing in popularity among teenage girls. In the last 10 years, the number of girls playing flag football in U.S. high schools has more than doubled, according to the National Federation of State High School Associations. Jake Jimenez coaches an all-girls team at Redondo Union High School in Redondo Beach. You know, it's not just your run-of-the-mill soccer, basketball, uh, you know, softball that everyone's kind of used to playing. Uh, I I believe that flag football is a great combination of all of the skills that you learn in all the different sports. Olivia D'Angelo is a member of the team and says it's a different feeling than playing soccer.
3: We all know each other's names.
1: We all talk to each other, play music, have fun.
2: Flag football already is a sanctioned high school girls' sport in states including Alabama and Nevada. But California could soon be on that list, too. Yesterday, the southern section of the California Interscholastic Federation, which governs high school sports in the state, voted overwhelmingly to recognize flag football as a sport for high school girls. The state CIF is expected to take up the issue early next month, with an official vote likely coming early next year. For the California Report, I'm Keith Mizuguchi.
1: As the regular season comes to an end, the longest-tenured broadcaster in Major League Baseball is getting ready to hang up his mic. Beloved Jaime Harin has been the voice for Spanish language radio for the Dodgers for more than six decades. Born in Ecuador, Harin moved to the United States in 1958. The next year, the Dodgers moved to Los Angeles.
4: I feel so blessed to have had the opportunity to reach the homes of those Latino uh, people and, and and give them uh, baseball. When I am doing a baseball game, I believe that uh, I am not doing only a baseball game. I am not only really, uh, giving them relating what's going on on the field, but I am giving them some type of entertainment for the people that work all day long, come home very tired, very hard work day.
1: Harin is one of three Spanish language broadcasters in the National Baseball Hall of Fame. And while he will be leaving the broadcast booth, Harin will remain a part of the Dodger franchise as a community ambassador.
5: Support for the California report comes from the James Irvine Foundation. Committed to a California where all low-income workers have the power to advance economically. Learn more at Irvine.org. Hint. Fruit-infused water in over 25 flavors like watermelon, pineapple, and blackberry. No sweeteners, no calories. In stores or delivered from drinkhint.com. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Ocean Institute. Coming this fall, the launch of research vessel FALCOR-2. Advancing the Frontiers of Ocean Science and Exploration, on the web at schmidocean.org.
1: And now to a preview of our sister show, the California Report's weekly magazine. This week, an essay from a granddaughter about her beloved grandfather, who was a Japanese-American flower farmer in Southern California. Writer Caroline Hatano says when she became an apprentice on a vegetable farm years later, she was reminded how her
3: grandfather, her ji chan, loved to farm sunflowers. His farm had been in Rancho Palos Verdes, a coastal L.A. suburb straight off a tourism poster, with dramatic rolling hills and cliffs to match. When I talked to my dad, Dwight Hitano, about my Jichan, we agreed that his passion for farming was always clear. I mean, Jichan was obviously very proud to be a farmer. I don't think that that was ever really, like, a question for me growing up. He loved it so much. Yeah, and,
5: you know, Gichan, his whole... Being was, you, you don't brag, you don't talk about yourself, but you could tell he was proud of what he did and, and the product he was putting out there. For him, when he was the happiest, was always being out at the farm. Yeah. And, you know, that's That was his purpose in life, his reason for, for living.
3: My Chan died in 2015, well into his 80s, and just a year after retiring. I had a kind of awakening when I realized I'd missed my opportunity to connect with him in a meaningful adult way. Not long after I wrapped up my apprenticeship, I learned that his farm, which had continued to operate, would soon be forced to close. Like many farmers in the US, he'd rented his land and the city was terminating his lease. For my family, it meant the end of an era. But his farm also happened to be the last Japanese American founded farm on a peninsula that was once home to hundreds of them. In this past summer, it closed forever.
1: Caroline Hatano's story is part of a collaboration with Civil Eats, a daily news source for critical thought about the American food system. You can hear more about the legacy of Japanese-American farming in Southern California on this week's California Report. Tune in on your public radio station or download the magazine's podcast. And that's the California Report for Friday, September 30th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. Our engineers are Katie McMurrin, Danny Bringer, and Seal Muller. Our producers are Amanda Stupai, Keith Mizuguchi, and Juan Carlos Lara. Our senior editor is Angela Corral. Our interim director of news is Keith Sung. Our vice president of news is Ethan tovin Lindsay, and our chief content officer is Holly Kernan. I'm your host, Madi Bolaños. Thanks for listening, and have a great day.
0: In regional news, the Mosquito Fire is now 90% contained. According to the Interagency Incident Management team that's now coordinating that effort, significant ground and aerial resources are still working on the fire. Firefighters are working to secure the fire line in the Blacksmith area and are building containment lines in difficult-to-access areas along the 11 Pines Road on the east side of the fire. Access to the Rubicon River drainage is limited due to the very steep terrain, but a contingency fire line further away is in place to contain the fire should any unanticipated spread occur. Hotshot crews, the most highly trained, skilled, and experienced of wildland firefighters, are also suppressing hot spots of unburned vegetation within the fire's perimeter. Other specialized crews are working extensively on hazard tree mitigation, especially along Mosquito Ridge Road. The Tahoe National Forest and El Dorado National Forest have established a Burned Area Emergency Response Team to begin post-fire burned area assessments of the Mosquito Fire. The assessments and resulting recommendations typically take approximately two weeks to complete. As fire crews work to improve the road conditions around and within the fire's perimeter, Motorists are advised that Mosquito Ridge Road will be closed from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. daily until further notice. Staying with fire news, Reuters is reporting that a $117 million settlement has been reached with former PG&E Corporation executives and directors who were accused in a lawsuit of lax oversight of the utility's safety measures prior to the 2017 North Bay and 2018 Campfires, two of California's most destructive wildfires. The settlement was announced on Thursday by the PG&E Fire Victim Trust, which compensates victims of fires that the parent of Pacific Gas and Electric started between 2015 and 2018. Frank Piter, a lawyer for the trust, in a statement said that the settlement was among the largest of its type— and that the money will be used to pay a large portion of claims held by federal agencies that helped battle the fires. PG&E assigned the trust the right to pursue claims against the executives and directors when the utility emerged from Chapter 11 bankruptcy in 2020. Almost 50,000 fire victims have already received $4.91 billion in payments. Insurers often cover settlement payments by corporate officers and directors. In a statement, pg and called the settlement a step forward in its effort to resolve issues predating its January 2019 bankruptcy. The North Bay Fires, sometimes called the Wine Country Fires, broke out in October 2017 in Napa, Sonoma, and nearby counties. They caused at least 44 deaths, burned almost a quarter million acres, and damaged or destroyed many wineries. Thirteen months later, the upstate campfire killed 85 people and burned more than 150,000 acres, destroying most of Paradise, California, a town that had about 26,000 people. It remains the state's deadliest and most destructive wildfire. The trust said that the North Bay fires could have been prevented had PG&E cut off power sooner, while the campfire was caused by PG&E's failure to inspect and maintain its aging equipment and infrastructure. Turning to regional weather and air quality, the National Weather Service reports that minimal fire weather impacts are expected this weekend, as relative humidity and fuels are not critically low or dry at this time. A low-pressure system will continue to shift east this weekend into early next week, allowing dry weather with highs slightly above normal for this time of year to continue into the weekend and early into next week. Tonight, in Nevada City and Grass Valley, clear skies with a low around 57. This afternoon's AQI was good in the low 30s. On Saturday, expect sunny and dry conditions with a high near 83 and a low of 57. Sunday will bring a high of 82 with calm winds in the afternoon. The Truckee and Lake Tahoe region has been enjoying good air quality today. The AQI for the area was in the mid-30s. Tonight, expect clear skies with a low around 37. Saturday will warm to 71 before dipping back into the high 30s overnight. Warm weather and sunshine return on Sunday. The high, 71 again. In Sacramento and the surrounding valley, not a single cloud to be seen today, and the trend continues into the weekend. Tonight, the low will be around 59 degrees. Air quality in Sacramento was the best of the lot, the AQI never leaving the teens. On Saturday, the high in Sacramento will be near 88, cooling to a low around 58. And Sunday's high will reach 86. You're listening to the Evening News on KVMR. Nevada City folk musicians Paul Cam and Eleanor McDonald are known for their resonant melodies and jewel-like harmonies, and they'll be playing the historic Nevada Theater in October. Felton Pruitt talked with them recently about songwriting, the old days, and about Mikhail Graham. We're talking with Eleanor McDonald and Paul Cam,
5: who are going to be playing at the Nevada Theater for Paul Emery's Nevada City Live series. It's all coming up Saturday, October 15th at 8 p.m., And they've even joined with Nina Gerber for the show. Uh, Welcome, Paul and Eleanor.
6: Hi, Felton. Hi, everybody out there in radio land.
5: Yeah, it's great to uh, talk with you. Um, Of course, you've been uh, filling our ears with beautiful music for decades here in Nevada County, so it's not like you're any strangers to these folks, but maybe there's some folks listening to us right now that aren't familiar with you. So we'll kind of go through your history and then get to where we are now. Like I said, you've been playing in this area for decades, and you guys have such beautiful harmonies. When did you two start singing together?
4: (laughs) (laughs) Eleanor pointed out just the other day that we are coming up fast on 40 years of singing together and being together. And, yeah, we met at the open mic that uh, Paul Emery and Peter Wilson ran down at uh, Deer Creek. And that was back...
6: Which is uh, back in the old days, for those who don't know. Where lefties is in Nevada City, there was a great bar downstairs um, called Deer Creek Bar, and there was a Monday night open mic that, gosh, George Souza, Jonathan Richmond, uh, Maggie and Luke, us, and a bunch, uh, all everybody who's old farts now. Yeah, we all
4: <laughs> met when we were about six or seven, I think. <laughs>
6: exactly. Yeah, <laughs> and then and then also it
4: it, it came up as a, a, a something we were reflecting on that it. It's probably just about 30 years that we first played with Nina Gerber.
6: Wow. Yeah. But we started, how did we start singing together, Paul? I guess I fell in love with Paul the moment I heard him, but he was only 19. You know, He was begging for brandy and his coffee because he was underage. And he could play at Deer Creek, but he couldn't drink, obviously. And I remember coming down the stairs one night and hearing this angelic voice and got to the bottom and looked in at the stage, and there's this hairy kid. He was actually quite hairy back then. Um, singing songs, that it's like, he wrote these? How has he lived long enough to be able to write songs like this? And uh, and it just kind of went from there, and gosh, a couple years later, we found ourselves wanting to do lots of things together.
4: <laughs> well, Nevada, Nevada City has long been, and certainly was then and before I even got to town, because Eleanor came a little bit earlier in the in the mid-70s, it has been, I think we could fondly refer to it as a creative and romantic petri dish for many of us. And it was just, you know, vibrant and has been since then. And so, you know, when we come around to wanting to play in Nevada, in Nevada City again, the Nevada Theater just comes up as the place.
5: Well, there's no place with better sound. I mean, it's, it's a historic place. Mark Twain played there in the 1800s, so. Yes.
6: Yeah. And, the, and it's just, it's great sound, but it's just intimate. It's a theater, but there's something so intimate about it, and I'm sure it's the audience that has a lot to do with that, because it's hometown, and it's people we've known forever, and there's something just superbly beautiful about playing the theater.
5: Well, you're going to be there on Saturday, October 15th, um, and yeah, you're right. When the town gathers and you guys play, there's this special <laughs> little aura that kind of is over everybody. That's, it's a very beautiful place to be.
6: It is. Great. Well, we feel the same same way.
5: You know, I first ran across you folks um, listening to you in my headphones at the Strawberry Hog back in 1995. I've got recordings (laughs) of you guys. I was looking at the date. It was May 22nd of 1995. You guys came out and did a tweener for about that. Oh,
6: cool. So that was probably the first time we played at Strawberry. And And then we played there later with our little band, which was Mikhail Graham and Al Vasquez. And we got to play main stage then, which was a kick. And then also with Nina Gerber's band, we were the vocalists. That's the time that Paul, she, she wanted us to do one of our songs, too, with her band. And she handed her guitar to Paul, which was it's Kate's guitar. Right, Kate, Kate Wolf's Walsh, guitar. Yeah. And um, Paul is kind of known for having dead finger, which you can explain probably. But, so he handed the guitar back to Nina after our song, and she... She tried to play it, and uh, anyway, Paul could probably explain that better.
4: Well, I was not on—I was not on her good list that day. Let's just put <laughs> oh. it that way.
6: All of her strings were dead immediately after Paul played. <laughs> but remarkably, we have remained friends, and she's still playing with us. <laughs> I don't see her handing her your guitar, handing you her guitar. Oh no, not not anymore. But
5: do you know if she's going to bring Kate's guitar to the uh, show on, on Saturday, October fifteenth?
6: We don't know if she's going to be playing electric or acoustic. That's up well, to her. It's always, a, it's always a mystery. But if she plays acoustic, she will be bringing Kate's guitar.
5: Well, you know, I've done sound for her, and she was the first person that ever came to me and goes, I need two chords. And I go, w- why do you need two chords? She has two patches out of it. It's a stereo guitar.
6: Yeah, she's figured it out pretty well over the years. Her sound is just impeccable. And I think anyone,
4: you know, she plays with a lot of different people, and all of us. Uh, you know, just always look forward to the opportunity to do that because, frankly, she is just one of the best at backing up singer-songwriters. And, and I think anyone will tell you that. She's just remarkable.
5: Well, that's how we got to know her at Strawberry. I think I first saw her. She would show up and just play with Greg Brown. Now, she had played with Greg before, so but she just impromptu. Then she would sit in with Jerry Jeff Walker, who she had never met. And start yeah. playing along with his songs. So, it's...
6: Yeah, she did that with Jackson Brown at the Kate Wolf Festival.
5: Yeah, yeah. She
6: played with Jackson when he was the secret headliner. And I think they went over songs once backstage, and Nina just knocked it out of the park when they were actually performing.
5: We're talking with Eleanor McDonald and Paul Cam. They're going to be playing at the Nevada Theater on Saturday, October 15th at 8 p.m., Now you folks have been uh, together, like you said, for so long and and singing together. But you've also been writing songs together, and you wrote one of the most sacred songs in in KVMR's repertoire or Nevada counties, which is "Hallelujah" one more time. Can you talk about that song?
4: Well, I can because the last record that Eleanor and I made together, um, for any number of reasons, good and bad, was all the way back in two thousand and ten, and right after that time we were still writing and we came up with this song and we started doing it, but we hadn't, you know, hadn't gotten around to making a new record. This got in the way that got in the way. And I have a group of guys that I play with called Achilles wheel and and they managed to circumvent the process and and swipe that song for a record that we put out. And then that was when Eleanor basically said, okay, that's enough of that. (laughs) We're going to make a new record. And it's, it has taken a while, but, but we will be doing that and and we really honestly had hoped to have a CD release party at the theater this summer um, is going to be waiting now until the spring. okay
6: we we got we got sidetracked and kind of blindsided by our dear friend and musical compadre Mikhail Graham's death. He had been he played such a huge part in our recordings and our stage performances from our beginnings, which was back in the Gosh, he started playing with us in the 80s. Well, we were playing in bands together back then, but... And uh, so we were finally... The last CD we did, we did with Tom Menig, which was wonderful. But we wanted to go back to McHale and had been planning on working with him. And boom, that just kind of got stopped. So the wind was taken out of our sails and... um, but we're, we're back at it now, so it'll be coming up.
5: Well, I know that uh, Eleanor and Paul, you guys were instrumental in putting together the memorial for Mikhail, and you performed. Your set there was so spiritual. I mean, I was sitting there holding hands with fellow KVMR people while you played. Oh, well, well,
6: that's why we do. I mean, just hearing that is, I think, it's these kinds of things that keep all of us musicians continuing to do what we do. Um, just... That that feeds us the same kind of feeling and love that you guys were feeling, and it's this beautiful circle of energy that feeds on itself. And so, thank you so much for saying that because that's that's just really lovely for us to hear. Yeah,
5: we could mention too that Achilles' wheel is going to be coming up. Is it what is it? The crazy horse in a couple of weeks, three weeks or so. <laughs>
2: We're
4: going to be playing Halloween at oh, yeah. Crazy
5: Horse. Yeah, so there's an Achilles' Wheel gig, but what mainly we want people to know about Eleanor and Paul over there at the Nevada Theater for Paul Emery's Nevada City Live Series at the Nevada Theater in Nevada City. It's Saturday, October 15th, 8 p.m. We're certainly looking forward to seeing you folks with Nina. at What a night!
6: Yeah, yeah we're really looking forward to it.
5: Thanks for sharing some time with us, Eleanor and Paul.
6: Absolutely, Felton. Thank you, Felton.
0: With that, our newscast comes to a close. KVMR is supported by UBADOX Urgent Care since 2000, providing walk-in medical and urgent care, accepting most insurance. Open 8 to 6, Monday through Friday, 9 to 5 on Saturdays and holidays. Located in the Fowler Center, Grass Valley. UBADOX.com and SPD Markets, serving Nevada County for 63 years with locations on Zion Street in Nevada City and McKnight Way in Grass Valley, offering conventional, organic, and local products, produce, and specialty foods. Information online, spdmarket.com. You too can support KVMR, it's easy. Head on over to kvmr.org and click the donate button at the top of the page. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Claudio Mendonça. Have a wonderful weekend. We'll see you on Monday.